Let's do it. Happy right. cannabis hour, y'all. Happy almost 420. We're getting there. We're close to 420, actually. we got to figure out what to do. Um, we'll have a drink. Uh, is this happy hour yet? Have we decided? Can we drink during this show? Is, is this like drink? you mean cannabis drinks, right? For sure. For sure. We'll have can. Well, drinkcan.com. Can they send us some some beverages to do a little on-show production? Welcome, everybody. Thanks for sticking around for Cannabis Hour. We have some fun interviews today. Uh, we're talking to some investors in the cannabis industry. We're going to hear from them directly on what they look for, how they invest, what they're invested in, if they'll tell us, which I'm sure they will. Um, and I I'm excited. It's going to be a fun one. Javi, yep. big news today. Massive big news. news, big news. Uh, Aaron, why don't you start us off, man, and we'll come back with a little song that I have him queued up for. Aaron, 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 where are you? Bring it to me, man. Hold on, Javi. I got this. Hold on. Ready? Ready? It's the Supremes because, Javi, why are we playing the Supremes right now? Why are we playing the Supremes right now? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Javi, why are we playing the Supremes right now? Aaron, thank you, man. I appreciate you. I mean, from what I can assume, I mean, maybe you're a big fan, but Cannabis Growth Corporation, NASDAQ, CGC, is poised to merge with the Supreme Cannabis Company, OTCUX, SPRWF. They are paying more than $345 million for the company. I, I mean, A, huge, huge acquisition numbers there. Um, B, if you had talked to me a year ago, I would have been more bullish on Supreme than I was on Canopy. Huh. Obviously, a lot changes in a year, a lot changes in a month, a lot changes in a week. But this was a year ago. I was so bullish on Supreme. And for good reason. They have a great footprint. They have three major brands with Truvera, Blisco, and Seven Acres. Um, and, and I just want to point out one number, Javi, and then I'm going to let, I just want your thoughts on this. Their combined pro forma market share now estimated to be 23.3% of the premium flower segment in Ontario, the entirety of Ontario, and 21.4% in British Columbia. That is freaking huge. It's completely massive. I mean, C I want to share. C I want to share a tweet actually from our good friends at Merida. I don't know if you can see it there. Yep, we see it. But they were asking, you know. CGC goes up when U.S. legality moves forward, yet, yet they're still buying Canadian companies. Can't find real growers for less than $435 million. Merida didn't like it. Emily Paxia at Poseidon didn't like it. I don't know. I, I like it. Me Listen, too. it's a lot of money, but, like, Canopy's not in shortage. So uh, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Supreme. I, I have been for a while. They have a footprint, especially CBD-wise in the U.S., so they already have that entrance into this market. Uh, they just, I mean, they're a monstrosity once this goes through in Canada. Um, I mean, uh, we'll see. The value will be weighed. Uh, it will be measured in the, the words of A Knight's Tale. Um, but listen, to me, that this is a huge deal. And if you look, can, Canadian stocks are up right now. Afria is up. Tilray's up. Sundial's up. Delta 9 was up. Hexo finally was up. Jeezel, Pete's. I've been talking about Hexo for weeks, people. Uh, Christina Lake was down. Was Metafarm was up. What's up with this? What? What are you, what are you looking at? Flat trending down. Market didn't love this. Is that today? Yes, this is today. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, well, we'll see. I mean, listen, I think Canopy is going to be here for a while. I don't think they make this acquisition without weighing the benefits. Um, I, I love their chief product officer. I love David Klein, uh, their government relations guy. I love Sol Klahane, the head of their U.S. operations. 
Um, I think they have a brilliant management team. Uh, Hillary uh, over there, um, their chief equity officer. Um, I just, I don't know. I think they're set up for success, and I think this is this is a stepping stone to just. I am also pretty excited. I think maybe Josh, our first guest today, who is an equity analyst, can provide us some insight here. Oh yeah, he'll he'll give us a little devil's advocacy. I'm sure. Uh, I'm excited. Anyway, that's our first bit of news. Again, that is CGC Canopy Growth Court. You probably all know them. They're pretty cool, pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, we have time for one more. Yeah, we do. Uh, I yeah, well, you you next. I, I started off. With, I started us off with Supremes. I mean, another company I know you love, love, love. Truly, they opened oh, the store today. You know that that is not the big news. The big news is they priced their previously announced uh, marketed public offering of subordinate voting shares, and they're offering five million shares at fifty Canadian dollars or thirty nine sixty three per share in U.S. dollars. Uh, to the public, both in the U.S. and Canada, they expect to bring in a little bit over $198 million U.S. So they're down, Javi. Why do you think that is? You think people are kind of concerned about the dilution there? Let me see. True leave. They I are... mean, they, they did say. That, that was one of the things that, that the people were talking about recently. Uh, also, how it's priced, Right. If it's priced under the market value, right? After being down almost $2 today, they're still trading close to 41, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Listen, offering. I'm not personally concerned. I'm just, again, I'm trying to play more devil's advocate on this one than the last. I'm a yeah. big True Leaf fan. I mean, so that, that's, that's probably why. If you see now, like if you, if you take a look at, at the chart, you'll see it. Let's go again. There you go. You'll notice, let's close the chat here, that. All that happened is it just got much closer to the current offering price. Offering is expected to close uh, by or around April 12. So we'll see, you know, the you know what, what happens to this talk between now and then. Perfect. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, truly, they're a giant. They're around for the long term. I'm not really worried at all. Um, all right. Somebody mentioned Grow Generation. They had a decent day up. Point four per, uh, or up twenty four cents rather. Um, somebody mentioned Sundial. Sundial is also up um, about one percent today. Um, yeah, overall, I think a decent day in the in the market uh, today. Pretty, pretty decent day. Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy. Somebody mentioned Sundial. Listen, uh, we've talked about this many times. Um, I mean, I, I think they're a, a fine cannabis company. Indeed. That is, I uh, yeah. Oh, are you raising your hand, Javi? Please. No, I'm, I'm just laughing. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> do you want right. to do, do one so, more? Or should we get? I mean, well, I, I want to. I want to mention something. We have some time here. We have two guests today. Um, I am a little bit curious of the uh, of your thoughts on the Curaleaf Imac deal uh, with their expansion. And they're hitting the UK, Germany, several markets there. Uh, and the Intracure cookies deal. They're hitting Europe and Israel. Love them both. Love, Love them both. I'm curious. Uh, do you have a preference? I mean, I mean, listen, editorially, we both know they're friggin' great, right? Um, but I, I'm just curious. If I'm, if I'm weighing these, what's your thought? So, I mean, let's go, you know, uh, you know let's take it a, a step at a time. Relief finally will enter the European market after closing the $310 million acquisition of EMAC, uh, one of the largest operators in uh, Europe. They also closed $130 million in financing to support this expansion, right? Uh, and that gives them access to several markets. I think it's super interesting, you know, as you said, the UK, there's Germany, there's, you know, there will be growing cannabis in Portugal, EU GMP cannabis. So I think that is awesome. I, I love to finally see big U.S. operators getting into Europe and going international. Um, and then there's the the other deal you mentioned is cookies and Intercure, right? Intercure is um, this uh, you, it's an Israel-based company. They're poised to uh, merge with Subversive Acquisition LP, OTCQX, SBVRF, so SBVRF. 
And they signed this agreement to bring the cookies brand to Israel and Europe. There already is one cookie store in Israel. They're planning to open one more and then expand through Europe. Well, on cannabis, y'all, keep in mind, the culture around cannabis in Israel is completely different than here in the U.S., Completely different. I think we actually had a discussion. If you all missed that, we talked to uh, Michael Auerbach, the head of Subversive Acquisition Corp. He was on Cannabis Hour probably like two months ago, uh, and he went through Kandak and the value and their amazing leadership team. I think the most decorated war hero in Israeli history is their CEO. Um, so I mean, there is also um, on yeah their, on their board Ehud uh, Barat. No, who was it? That, that's who I'm talking about. I think yeah. he he is both of those things. Um, so, uh, I'm so excited for CanDoc to potentially be listed on the NASDAQ. I could not be more excited for that. Um, that for one, I'm, I'm super ready for. I just think, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how the European market grows. And I think it's going to grow very quickly. I don't know what you think there, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of competition at the moment. Yeah. You know, at least from the sense of those companies that also have operations in the U.S. and Canada, you know, you look at like Flower Corporation in Portugal. I mentioned this a uh, day or two ago with Patrick, uh, you know, now Cura Leaf, uh, can't, you know, some companies are in Eastern Europe. But, you know, IMAC was an obvious choice for Cura Leaf because yeah. there's not a list of powerhouses there. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that market evolves, whether it's within or a mix of both. I, I don't know. What do you think, Javi? Am I overthinking this? No, I'm, I think it's it's pretty good. Um, I, it, you know, okay. I'm, I'm bullish generally on this, right? Uh, I As you should be. The European market is huge. People in Europe know how to live and know how to live well. Uh, <laughs> I'm not messing what? around. What? This is real. They know how to live, y'all. We don't know how to live. They know how to live. <laughs> Have you, ever, have you ever vacationed at Mediterranean? Have you ever been to Europe? It's like people know how to live. I and cannabis is that lifestyle, right? Whether if it's for well-being, for wellness, for recreation, for uh, you know medical purposes, there's more people. I also know how to live, says Zerka. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Javi. I will be really joking broke. on you for this for many for many I know. weeks. I'm, I'm um, I do want to call out Crypto Morning Show's comment. Yes, every time we mention SNDL, a shot must be taken. Um, <laughs> we've tried to, we've tried to move past that in recent weeks. Uh, we've had a couple of clever leaves in the chat. Uh, Javi, I think this is a good time to tease the audience. Kyle Detweiler will be joining us in a week and a half, two weeks, two weeks. Yes. No, two a week weeks. and a half. Actually. Week and a half. It's like a week from Monday. I think it's yeah. a week from Monday, right? Monday. Uh, so, yeah. So he'll be on, uh, April the 19th. Uh, so I think he's, he's gonna be on with Javi and Patrick. Uh, it's gonna be a killer interview. Kyle's one of the most intelligent people I think I've ever heard, uh, you know, present on the cannabis stage, and that's not taking anything away from anybody else. Uh, but you know, looking more near term to uh, Isaac Money or Isaac Muni, uh, give me a phonetic pronunciation there, man. Um, but uh, on Monday, uh, Nick Kavasevich on April twelfth, Nick Kavasevich, CEO of Kushco. OG of the cannabis industry will also be joining Javier and Patrick. Uh, so we uh, we got some interesting interviews coming up, a lot of big news. And I think, uh, Isaac, tune back in on Monday. I think that's where you're going to get some interesting news, interesting information about this merger. And you All can I'm ask gonna, him directly. And you can ask him. He'll We'll pass your questions along. Um, but I will say, you know, I mean, there that was just – it. now they're, what, one of the just major top two or three ancillary companies in the space – yeah, uh, with that merger once it's done, yeah, um, it's Massive. huge. Yeah, Massive. so I mean, we're talking about we're, the you know the Kushko the green, Holdings Green Lane uh, merger. So it's K <laughs> Kush K S H B K S S H B Kush Kush L N G No G N L N G N L N Oh my God G N L N and K S H B Javi, you're you're suspended. Stop drinking in the middle of the day. Not my day. Never. <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> um, hey, Abby. <laughs> All right. Shall we get started? Shall yes, we hear sir. from the people who actually invest in this industry for a living? Bring For Aaron. a living. Who does that? Who invests in cannabis for a living? Let's find out. Aaron, let's go ahead and bring Josh over if he's on. There he is. Josh King Cade of C3 Fund. You're an analyst there. Uh, how are you doing? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Oh my God. Your sound is so good, Josh. It's like professional grade studio there, man. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I could set back like 10 feet if you want to. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I actually mean that. You sound great. Um, not everybody who comes on here sounds great, including myself. Um, <laughs> anyways, Josh, welcome. Welcome to Cannabis Hour. Fun, casual atmosphere. We're here to learn about you uh, and your just vast insights into this industry. So please uh, tell us about you and the C3 Fund. Yeah, so um, Josh Kincaid, I'm a portfolio risk analyst with C3. C3 is a, uh, a fintech company, so we specialize in automated algorithmic trading. We use artificial intelligence and machine learning to do what a lot of us don't want to do, which is sit behind a screen and pull our hair out. I'm 43. I feel 80. I probably look 60, and a lot of that is because of Wall Street. <laughs> Uh, so I use, I use an algorithm because it's really hard to figure out, you know, on your own what it is that uh, the market should be doing. And so using technology to kind of give us alerts and figure out what's trending, you know, when to get out at the peak, what's a good opportunity to get in at the, at the trough and really kind of maximize opportunities is uh, what we're trying to do. But, um, dabbling nonetheless, did you have just a horrible February? Uh, February was a little crazy. Uh, bags under my eyes more than normal. <laughs> uh, it reminds me a little bit of September, as a matter of fact. So uh, we didn't have a single trade for the entire month of September. And we're just kind of sitting there like, what should we do? Should we do like an inverse fund to take advantage of the opportunities as they go down? We can't just sit all in cash. Our competitors didn't and they lost. MJ, Podex, some of those uh you know, big indexes mm -hmm. weren't able to have that luxury of, of being able to, to get all in cash. So right now, I mean, we're kind of looking at crypto because cannabis seems like it's taking a vacation maybe until September. So trying to look around and see what those other opportunities are in the meantime. Interesting. And anything you're, you know, you're holding that you can share in, in that sense. And, 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 and I mean, stocks, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, so right now we're not holding anything. We are all cash right now. Um, and we rebalance every or since February. Uh, we're all cash for probably the last two weeks. I don't remember the exact day, but relatively recent. That's yeah. uh, that seems like a big statement to me. I, I may be out of touch, you know, when it comes to algorithmic trading, but that seems like uh, a shot at a bit of the confidence of the industry right now. I think so, but I also think it's it's a result of you know that huge influx we had. So even though we were all in cash in September, we posted on social media our cannabis stocks poised for a breakout uh, in a month. So we knew at least you know about sixty days in advance that there was momentum. So you know technical trading, we kind of saw that in the last segment uh, that you can look for support and resistance levels and try to find a good way since. Uh, fundamentals or fundamentals have been dead for seemingly two decades. So you can't really look at a price to earnings ratio without joking uh, or at least mm -hmm. laughing at it. Uh, Tesla, for example, 1300% at the high. And then you, you've got, I think someone mentioned GE in the last episode, uh, trading at a PE multiple of uh, 11 or 13. Intel is down there too. So Amazon's at 90 something. Uh, where's the value at? Really, that's why we're, we rebalance every single day and we're really not holding anything. But I will tell you, Javi, that I like Hexo. I like the automation. <laughs> Come on. That's what I'm talking about. I like the automation aspect of Hexo, to be honest with you. I am not a fan of Tilray. Um, I'm not a fan of, of some other companies that write off a billion and three billion being Aurora and Canopy. It's not a good use of investor money. I think there's other opportunities out there. Um, but once the federal U S federal government legalizes, then that $6 gram that Canada is holding on to that you guys love so much, they're going to have to compete against a buck 50 buck yep. 30 mm -hmm. in the U S and how are they going to do that right off more money. So you're not going to find me buying and holding up in Canada. Cause I think that's going to fall out pretty soon. You just made me so happy, Josh. I, I have been, <laughs> Not pushing, but I'm like, where's the love for Hexo? Where is the love, y'all? No. <laughs> um, well, so they're, they're not part of that whole press release. You know, you don't see them going out and making these deals with all stock offerings. 
Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they're worth something, but press releases and letters of intent and all stock deals aren't really generating the revenue. And we saw that from Canopy. They were a perfect example of all of those excessive deals. And I know, Javi, you mentioned um, Cureleaf, I think, and, and they've had 800, 900 million dollar deals. That's cash yeah. rich. That's a result of too much money in the system and not, mm -hmm. having, in my opinion, not doing enough due diligence to bring that valuation back down to reality. Do you mean do you mean Cura Leafs or the acquisition targets? Valuation? Acquisition targets. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, you know, from Crypto Morning so wait, Show. Are, are we back to that to that time where where companies were paying overpaying for for acquisitions? We we're just talking about mm -hmm. canopy, the same thing, right? For it's a big deal. say 18 months, we we saw much more diligent MA much more conservative M&A. This, this year, we are back to seeing large numbers. Sometimes, as you say, all these valuations, what's going on? What, why, why are we back to this matrix of, of exuberance that already took its toll on, on cannabis the first time around? It's not popular to say, but I think NFTs are a, a result of too much money in the system. And when you guys, your intro, you're talking about this huge merger, when in reality, I'm hearing Time Warner buying AOL. That's what's going through my head is in 10 years, what's that going to be worth? Or are you going to spin that off and it's going to be worth be worth nothing? So yes, Supreme is awesome. Yes, there's there's great things going on in Canada, but what happens when the whole world opens up? What kind of intellectual property, what kind of value do you have now that's going to be realistic? How are you going to pivot to be relevant when the global economy opens up and cannabis is a true commodity? What do you have at that point? And I think what you have is a write-off in the form of AOL and Time Warner. Interesting. Hey, so uh, from Kyle McNamara in the chat, uh, what's your thoughts on retail? Planet 13, High Tide, uh, some of those types of plays. I think you're looking at commercial real estate uh, being acquired. I like IIPR from a trading standpoint. That's the play I would make on a trade. And I would trade that all day long. I think IIPR provides an immense uh, amount of value because Hard assets. There, there's always that to fall back on. You know, True. as you say, when when the hype is is gone behind us, at it's, least there's a hard asset. It's a true real estate investment trust, right? So they have collateral that they can give, and they're working a, a good amount of deals for property, plant, and equipment on a sale leaseback options. So somebody like MedMen is an absolute dumpster fire. Um, I would avoid that at all costs. I wouldn't trade that with your money. But I think that when you look at other MSOs and opportunities out there, there's a, a chance to play off of this emerging market. You know, when you're looking at these new onboarding states that are rolling out, you can make a ton of money. Um, but I don't think long term it's a great investment because I think you're buying commercial real estate at the highest time in history. And we're already seeing collateralized back mortgage securities, CDL, CMOs and everything else reverting back to the lender. So you're having Goldman Sachs and, and Chase and all these other prime brokers having to take back malls. And they're not in the business of being landlords, but that's what they're having to do. And I think that's stage one, step one uh, for a massive amount of um creditor uh collapse so i think there's going to be consolidation capitulation there's going to be debt repayments uh bankruptcies where where it's legal um i just think that there's too much speculation including commercial real estate oh josh you can come back anytime man this is great uh <laughs> yeah. so iipr you mentioned them i want your opinion on where you think debt is going though in this industry because you know other debt collectors debt, debt providers i should say uh debt collectors down the road uh other you know debt providers you know when they start getting in this industry you know are those debt providers in the industry right now with where the percentage is i mean where do they go like they, they lose a big chunk of their return right I do, but I also think there's opportunities because with the West Coast, you're seeing a lot of distressed assets. And so when you have the opportunity as an investor to either go in and speculate on what you think New York might do and pay a premium to get into that market or look at Oregon and get in there at 30 cents on the dollar. Now you have to pedal $40 ounces in, an, in, a, in a market like that, but there's your options. So 
you know, you can get a vertically integrated opportunity for less than 150,000 in the Northwest versus uh, one retail outlet in Phoenix, Arizona for 20 million. Where is the best use of your money? Where are you going to go? Are you going to go for, you know, the, the new marketplace? Or are you going to go for discounts? And I think debt, and I think, I think debt has an opportunity for a massive collection on the West Coast to then leverage those assets to maybe expand to the East Coast or Europe or Latin America. Um, I, I, think enough, I don't think enough companies are in Puerto Rico, for, for example. I think Puerto Rico offers one of the best opportunities out there for especially CB companies who can cross the border right now. Um, Puerto Rico being uh, a U.S. territory it doesn't have federal taxes. So you who's can the one? Pineapple, PNPL. I think they're getting to Puerto Rico, probably among several others. Not enough, though. Not yeah. enough companies. I think if you're in California sure. and you look at the advantages of doing business in Puerto Rico, there's there's no reason why you should be in California because the margins you're going to save by moving to Puerto Rico would put the rest of your competition in California out of business eventually. Mm-hmm. You were talking about distressed assets, right? And I know that, for instance, Entourage Effect recently launched like a $200 million fund to invest in distressed assets. Do you see this as an opportunity like for general, for retail investors? Is there any way a retail investor or an institutional investor can capitalize on this trend we're seeing, right? Um, You know, there are some opportunities from VICE ETFs. there's IIPR that we mentioned. So there's ways of getting into uh, those opportunities. But I think ultimately what it's going to take is for SIN stocks to become a common household name. We haven't talked about SIN stocks as a way to, um, as a defense mechanism for the eventuality that this longest bull market in history ends. Right. So when this bull market ends, what is going to be left? How are you going to to defend your profits? And I think that's where those sin stock opportunities lie. So um, there are opportunities. Um, you know, I think Constellation Brands is an interesting play because they're both on the alcohol and the cannabis side. And so mm-hmm. if you want to take advantage of, of both of those, you can. Um, but again, the 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 amount of of exuberance that's in the market has to all come down. We we have we're borrowing more leverage right now in the form of margin than ever in history. So once that gets depleted out of the system, that's when the opportunities really arise is to kind of get the noise out of the way and provide for uh, an opportunity for the price appreciation to really occur in sin stocks. Um, there's several actual studies about about that where they're there's an artificial depressed price for cannabis as your fun, you know, uh, fund families, there's um, portfolio managers and the like who have sin clauses. So they can't actually invest in cannabis stocks because mm-hmm. it's their investment um, yeah. abilities. So that's artificially suppressing the, the demand. So that in itself is an opportunity. So you're only getting about 5% annually uh, for investing in these sin stocks over like a 43 year period, according to, to UBS and some other, um, you know, reports that have been out, but essentially from 1965 to 2006, you'd have 3.5% increase in sin stocks than the average market. That's your opportunity. Looking at it now, while we have all time highs, uh, or in crypto and these other things, but, um, you know, margin calls are going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Everything looks like it has value. You're going to have to figure out what part of the sin stocks are. Is it going to be cultivation? Is it going to be retail? Is it going to be uh, vertically integration opportunities? Um, I'm curious. Uh, you say sin stocks. How big is it for an operator to now have a 20% or however much percentage uh, investment via a tobacco company, one of the top five, like a BTI or or somebody of that nature. I mean, do you do you put a lot of value into that? I think for distribution is huge. Um, you're seeing a lot of athletes get into CBD and THC, celebrity cannabis, but yeah. it doesn't really result in the bottom line sales, right? So I think 
what we've learned from alcohol and tobacco is that distribution channels are more important than anything. So there yes. are a lot of companies that have developed and set themselves up to be buyout targets for big pharma, big tobacco, big alcohol. Um, and some have worked and some haven't. But what it all boils down to is that distribution channel to be able to get your product in front of enough consumers and you can mm -hmm. have all the money in the world. But if that distribution partner won't work with you, you're not going to really be able to, to make a lot of sales. So there are opportunities, I think, um, you know, when you look at like a Constellation brand spending what four and a half billion dollars or something up in Canada for, for beverages, we're kind of still waiting for that segment to to happen. But that's the opportunity with uh, the pandemic. We saw a huge influx into edibles. People stopped using tinctures and topicals and went more towards edibles during stay at home. But now if with you know a 36% of the US being on board at some with recreation alone maybe beverages will be a thing like we don't even have infused coffee in the northwest which should be a sin in and of itself so as we can <laughs> cross state lines that becomes a lot more affordable you have a lot more skews a lot more competition yeah. and a lot more uh, consolidation i would say oklahoma is is going to be feeling the heat with 7,500 licenses that can't be supported no matter where you're at. <laughs> Oregon already led that with 3,500 and you yeah. figure really quick that it's not supported. So again, opportunities to pick those distressed assets up, opportunities now to kind of get in um, with a correction since January, stocks have corrected, I think 60% on average, huge retracement uh, just in the last 45 days. I'd like to, or Javi, go ahead. Then I I mean, get just, just a comment here, but like, I find it very interesting that you mentioned distribution and because I was thinking about that just yesterday, how uh, alcohol companies were impacted by the pandemic, right? And it was made so evident that even though consumption, uh, you know, average, you know, for, for average consumption for people grew, many of these companies were suffering because their main, again, distribution channel or the most profitable ones are bars, right? And, and events and stadiums, right? And, and it's so it's it's all in, in the end, it ends up being about distribution, how many channels, how many outlets you have. Right. You cannot just depend on on developing a brand and hoping people will go to the market or a dispensary in you know, whatever the case is and pick up that specific brand. Right. In the end, the winner is the one who's at most bars and cafes and restaurants. Right. It's, a, you know, a lot of people are, are not drinking Pepsi because they love it, but because it's in that restaurant right. or vice versa, right? I don't know. Just Yeah, and exclusivity too, right? So you might have a store in Las Vegas and it's only at Planet 13 and you can't find that brand anywhere else. So there are opportunities, there are plays, you know, just, just like anywhere else um, to try and get in. But at the same time... Um, I think it's kind of interesting because with the partnerships you would have with those distributors, they're going to have kind of a Kaizen philosophy, the Japanese philosophy of constant improvement for the better. So they're not going to just look at how to get your product from point A to point B. They're going to figure out how to reduce your shrinkage or your waste mm -hmm. here in beverages, right? So that's kind of the other thing too with, with the advantages or opportunities that come with SIN stocks. You're going to have a higher return because there's more profitability and maybe less waste because it's harder to get investment. We haven't obviously seen that in the Canadian space because they've been writing off billions of dollars. But I think if you look at the US space, that still kind of holds true. You can't go out and, and just go and get another friends and family round. You're mm -hmm. seeing a lot less waste and at the same time, a lot less scaling and expansion. Uh, so when banking and lending and investment do kind of pile in and you start seeing stupid money and stupid valuations coming in, that's when a lot of that expansion will come out uh, beyond just distribution. You're going to have a lot more of that exclusivity and, and traditional uh, retailer where price and convenience is what it's all about. It's that's for everything that humans buy. That's the psyche, the psychological behavior is price and convenience. You yeah. can't it's no different. So kind of changing course here a little bit. Um, I want to touch on something you said earlier uh, regarding crypto. Um, I know this is not necessarily what you meant, but when I first got into this industry, uh, I, I wasn't really allowed to 
touch crypto and cannabis in the same uh, context. You know, I, I talked to a lot of cannabis people and they didn't really want to be associated with, with crypto. You know, they thought they were already uh, under the microscope enough. So it seems, you know, maybe sentiments are changing around crypto. Do you think that it starts to be uh, a decent player within cannabis? It seems these two might be somewhat of a match. I do. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities, interesting opportunities, combining the two. Um, I'll start maybe with a complicated example and then maybe we can <laughs> narrow it down. But a tribal tokenized asset, for example. So let's let's use IIPR's idea with leverage. And, and if you went to some tribes and you said, let's let's do an initial coin offering, an ICO, utilizing, you know, a joint rolling machine as collateral. And then we bring in investors, we sell investors on royalties per unit rolled. So you've got this this cigar, this uh, blunt rolling machine and it's rolling and then you can pay dividends just like an NFT can, can offer that same um, blockchain based uh, digital um, ownership rights. So everything is, is automated, um, but it's complicated. So um, I think crypto and cannabis will come together. I think instead of filing an IPO or a reverse takeover, an RTO, you'll have strategic partnership opportunities like a tribal tokenized asset where groups come together utilizing property plant equipment uh, and trying to draw interest from the peer-to-peer networks that we've been seeing for the last 15 years. So all of that technology I think is going to to really um, bring in some investment from retail investors. Uh, even more so, we've seen institutional investors bring in millions and millions, billions of dollars. Yeah. When um, the insurance company uh, put in a few billion, that's when I knew that crypto was here to stay. And that just happened recently. Um, Washington, no, it wasn't, not, not Washington Mutual. Anyways, there's an insurance company and that was it. So now we're seeing Tesla taking in Dogecoin and crypto uh, you're going to start seeing other retail outlets when it's federally legal in the cannabis space. Retail will take crypto. Um, I definitely think it's here to stay, but it's it's two reasons for that. One is that the returns are there. So is, is cryptocurrency a security at that point if you're buying for the simple purpose of having it appreciate or is it a currency, right? So uh, when Ripple got sued for being a security, it could be that that road where it becomes a stock or it could go the other road where it becomes a currency and then the feds just say no you can't compete against the u.s dollar in in either road when it becomes regulated um, i think there's a massive opportunity uh, for people to use cannabis and crypto to kind of help expand um you know or even just accounting simple accounting that people need help i think they're still using shoe boxes (laughs) <laughs> awesome josh this has been an awesome interview man uh we're gonna get you back soon um yeah really appreciate you being here uh where can they find you could you have a website any type of email if you want people to reach out to you with any questions any I'll type of email with any, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. where can they find you josh at, c3 <laughs> josh at c3fun.com that's a c and then t-h-r-e-e and then fund f-u-n-d.com c3fun.com Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here, man. Much appreciated. We'll have you back soon. Be well. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. That was cool. Um, (laughs) What's wrong with shoeboxes? All right, WebCoin. We're not going to diss you too much, man. I'm not going to lie. I may have a shoebox in here somewhere. Talking about cannabis and NFTs. um, You know, there's a story I forgot. Uh, I did the story for Forbes yesterday. Are you about to tell us the story you forgot? Yeah, no, no, I forgot to share this story. And, and then you, you brought something up and I, and I remembered. I did the story on Forbes about um, Merida Capital again and Califari uh, launching a series of cannabis NFTs. They're collectible cards with different strains. And they seek to give uh, the people who buy them a sense of ownership, whatever that means. 
Well, I mean, if you all want to talk about NFTs, go listen to Gary V. Uh, Gary Vandercheck was on our was on our stream yesterday. Incredible interview by Mitch and Mitch uh, Hotch and and Chris uh, Kachi. Did I say those last names correctly? Um, I, I, you can't I, I, smoke I, I, an NFT. We're here, we're, we're here to talk about things you can smoke, Javi. Enough of this nonsense. Why don't you introduce well, our next guy, guest? Though? There's a guy. Uh, there's a company called Peaks. And a couple of weeks ago, they also launched an NFT, and it's a bag of cannabis. You can buy it anywhere in the world. It's not real cannabis. But if you buy it and you're in, in California or Oregon, you can get the actual cannabis as well. There you so go, sir, Nerdy. You can buy, buy it in Oregon. Uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Avi, who do we got next, man? I'm excited. Ooh, we have another awesome investor. Her name is Catherine Dockery. She's a founder and I believe general partner at Advice Ventures, uh, another super interesting fund. Uh, Mark Andresen is involved. Uh, Bradley Tusk is involved. I think Catherine can tell us a lot more about it now. <laughs> <laughs> now. 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 Uh, you might be muted there, Catherine. Wait, wait, wait. Can you hear us? No, you're muted. There you go. Nope. Oh. Hey. 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 <laughs> um, venture capitalist and technology gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you chose the space where you can smoke things. Oh, always, obviously. <laughs> um, but I would say just for your introduction that I am the founder and I'm also the GP. So that was correct. Well, welcome. Welcome. Tell us more about you. Come on. There's got to be more to, to Vice Ventures than that. <laughs> There's so much device ventures. I mean, you t I could talk for 45 minutes straight, so you should uh, tell me what you want to hear. <laughs> I, I mean, we could go with the basics, right? What do you do, right? I remember reporting again in Forbes uh, uh, when you launched, uh, it, it was a $25 million fund. Uh, you know, honestly, it caught my eye because of, of Tusk and uh, Andresen, Andresen, I don't know how you pronounce that, Andresen. But, you know, tell us a little bit about it, how, you know, how it came to be and how it has evolved since, what you're looking at, right? And why is cannabis part of your vices universe? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I guess I'll start with a quick introduction of how we came to be. Um, I managed a portfolio of private investments for our founder, uh, followed him to Walmart after the Bonobos acquisition, basically realized in the first month that Walmart is incredibly mission driven for sure. Uh, but somebody who grew up in New York City, Bentonville, Arkansas trips weren't really cutting it for me. So I started interviewing. I had a ton of fun. A lot of them asked me to pitch a company. So I pitched this uh, canned wine that I personally invested in a few years ago. Uh, their last round was actually led by Founders Fund. So it ended up being great. But nice. anyways, when I was interviewing, a lot of these fund managers were like, Catherine, we love the brand. Like, founder's awesome. Like, distribution's going to be there. But unfortunately, we can't invest out of the fund because we have this vice clause. And I was like, what? What is a vice clause? Like, my dad was a bartender. And he, working as a bartender is the reason why we, I was able to grow up, right? And go to college and do all these things. So to me, like, I kind of took it personally when they were like, you can't make a business out of alcohol. It's a vice. It's a vice. And I just did some research about what a vice clause was. And it turned out that it's a lot of pensions and university money and endowments yeah. and all that. They just don't want their money going towards cleaner nicotine or anything cannabis related or uh, alcohol, right? So to me, hearing all that feedback when I was interviewing, I just realized that everybody does the same thing. Right, everybody's a generalist, or they do all all stages, or they just do Series A, but they're still a generalist. And to me, it's like you can't be a generalist if you ignore this entire category, right? Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to join a team that I didn't believe in the thesis of. Uh, so I just started my own firm. I love that. And just to touch on the the chat, Gary V. He literally said, "Invest in what you believe in." Yesterday. And it sounds like you took that to heart, even not putting that to us or the chat. I'm just saying, like, you have done that and you've made a successful career out of that. Um, so that's really cool. So New York, though, I mean, should we hop right into the obvious uh, sentiment I, around that? Those two words right now? I don't even know how to explain in words how proud I am of the state. <laughs> right? Like, for so yeah. many reasons. But also, I believe that we have the most progressive laws around cannabis. And yeah, I cool. am a firm, firm believer that uh, legalization will reverse mass incarceration. 
And I think New York did that in an exceptional way. And I think kind of the legalizing in New York, I think it'll continue west, right? <laughs> like yeah. make this whole new idea of a manifest destiny. Um, so I'm very, very excited. I'm, I'm like, actually, I'm not excited. I'm ecstatic about New York cannabis legalization. What do I you love that. Of, of home cultivation for, for the investment case uh, for New York, right? Because, you know, up to very recently, New York was the, you know, paradigm, you know, almost like the, the example of what not to do, right? Like, hey, how are you banning <laughs> home growing, right? And overnight, you're like, oh, now you're the example of what to do, right? Uh, but how does this affect companies? We do know certain companies have lobbied, let's say, against home growing, right? How does that affect the investment case, if at all? Right. Uh, so I would deviate a little bit, just make a quick comment. And I would say that I, growing up in New York City, always thought New York was the most cutting edge and the whole country should follow New York. So the fact that you said that is super eye-opening for me and realizing that I have a huge bias. Um, <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Home growing. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I know that as of like... Uh, March 31st, obviously, legal recreational cannabis was legal, and you can smoke cannabis anywhere. You can smoke cigarettes. Um, but in terms of home growing, I know the law basically said, like, years later, you can start yeah. doing that. Um, yeah, and I think I'm super curious about that just because I know a few people who actually do grow their own cannabis. Um, and it's funny because it's it's more of a hobby, right? Like I don't know if you know anybody who's grown cannabis and you've smoked it, but it's usually super harsh filled with seeds, like not something that I think I would want to put in my lungs, but I mean, it is a hobby, right? I'm not going to knock a hobby. So yeah. yeah. Speaking of, you know, just since we're on the subject of New York, you know, thinking about the, I would say the biggest critique I've seen around the bill has been the tax, uh, I guess a pretty high tax structure. Uh, yeah, around you know why that is though? I was just about to say as a resident New Yorker, it, I, I, I have lived in New York for seven years. I'm going back uh, later this year. So like, I'm thrilled with where that tax money is going. So like yeah. you as a resident of New Yorker versus an investor uh, in companies, how do you feel about it? So I've always had uh, the thesis basically that if my taxes go towards educating society and making the society better, I'm totally fine to pay them. Um, like, like, honestly, I really am. Like, I would love to live in a country where everybody is educated and moving forward and we're building right we continue and continue to building um so for me as a taxpayer understanding that 40 percent of our taxes are going to communities that were most negatively affected by war on drugs that excites me i have no problem paying those taxes right because they're going to educate they're going to invest in public education and drug prevention uh like all everything that you would want a society to be better that's where those tax dollars are going uh mm -hmm. so i'm i'm very very excited about the tax, but I don't think I've ever said out loud that I'm excited to pay more taxes, but um, I do think it will help society for sure. So I'm very down for it. I like taxes. It's it's a very unpopular opinion, but I, I enjoy paying taxes. We are, we are like, we have, I, you know, hello Plato, right? And, and there's, this, there's this theory, right? That if you enjoy the benefits of the state, and by that, I don't only mean, uh, you know, when you receive money directly from the state, but you know, policing and roads and schools, right? Like you, 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 I, you're obliged to abide by its rules as well, right? And one of those is, you know, paying it, you know, paying back some Well, that. keeping it specific to <laughs> cannabis here, Javi. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think there are benefits to this high tax structure of New York. And I don't think it's going to be a deterrent for either consumers or institutions. It sounds like you agree. Catherine. Probably, um, probably, so right? I'd like to shift focus a little bit to the national and the federal scene. Uh, give us, I, I think I'm most interested in understanding your thoughts about the next wave of entrepreneurs in this space, um, you know, and uh, where they're going to come from, what, what parts of cannabis we should be paying attention to, whether it's regions, whether it's ancillary, whether it's software, whether it's growers, I'd love, I mean, just to, if that gives you anything, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so first off, as a company, as Vice Ventures, we focus on brands specifically. 
just because that's our strong suit, right? So some of our portfolio is Parade or Recess or Lucy, and those are all strong brands that are performing really well. So we feel that's our sweet spot. So in New York, cannabis, I'll talk about that, and then I'll talk about legalization nationally. Uh, in New York, I have a thesis that brands are built here. Right. So you think of Glossier, you think away, you think Bonobos, Great, Allbirds. I mean, I can go on for 10 more minutes about this. Right. And you think why that is versus L.A. Right. Or Chicago or anywhere else. And as a New Yorker, you're walking everywhere. Right. So you're walking on Second Avenue and you see a bodega and there's a recess like poster right in the window. Yeah. And then you walk one more block and then there's scaffolding and it's like buy away luggage. Right. So like I'm. As an investor, I'm incredibly excited about the brands that will come out of New York City cannabis in general. Uh, but then switching to, uh, I guess, national legalization, I, I think it'll be a very interesting journey. I don't think it'll be as straightforward as some of the other states that have legalized. Uh, one thing I can say, though, very confidently, is that cannabis legalization is popular on both sides of the party or both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty obvious reasons why, right? Like you can't say that you don't want cannabis because your kids don't want to smoke it when you have people who have locked up in prison for carrying like an eighth of weed on them, right? Like that is one of the most selfish statements I think you could ever possibly make, especially because if you're trying to shed your kid from cannabis consumption, do you do the same thing for like cigarette, sec like secondhand smoke? Like, do you have your kids close their eyes when you pour a glass of wine? Like, <laughs> so, so yeah, so for me, that's, I think that'll be a huge obstacle uh, just because a lot of people are very short-sighted and scared of this concept of drugs, despite the fact that there's absolutely no research that you use one drug one time and you're addicted for life, despite a lot of that propaganda going around. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I think there's obviously big support going on as of the other day when our data science looked at it, around a little over 68% of Americans want legalization. And if you look at that trend, it only is going up, right? For like a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like the more popular it is, you can't, like if the, the America wants it, it would look really bad for a politician to not sign it into law, right? Like, mm -hmm. So is, and, this where, is this where I go cough, South Dakota's governor cough? Uh, is, is this where we put that statement in? Uh, that's really interesting. And I, I think, you you know, just to kind of echo your sentiment there, you know, the brands are going to come uh, from the population centers, like in New York, like in LA, like in Chicago. Um, and do, I mean, do you think the the Cure Leafs, the, the Columbia Cares, the GTIs, uh, are, are they the ones that, that start that in New York? Or are you excited for maybe the new wave? I'm excited for everything that will come our way. Right. Like I'm excited to meet Columbia Care. Right. Like if they're yeah. medical right now in New York, they're going to be recreational too. Right. In the next two years, New Yorkers will be able to walk into a dispensary. Right. So I think it's going to be a lot of parties that kind of get this done. And if Columbia Care is the one that's going to carry Vice Ventures brands, then let's fucking go Columbia Care. Right. Like, <laughs> Um, so I, I, I mean, I support everybody in the business, even companies that pitch us and we pass. It's so important to nurture this category because it's been so ignored. Um, so even if we don't invest, for example, like we help somebody fill their entire round, entire mm -hmm. round it, within three weeks. And we didn't even invest, not huh. like we just did it. Uh, so we really, really believe in kind of forming this community of founders who can work together, even if they're a little bit competitive, right? Because the space is so small. Yeah. And you're talking about, you know, cannabis legalization being popular across party lines. And, and yesterday we, we heard news about uh, billionaire Charles Koch and, and yeah. Walden Angeles launching this a project. I think it's called the Cannabis Freedom Alliance, mm -hmm. um, even though it's not about investing. Right. It, it really doesn't matter. What do you make of this? Right. When you say, you know, this, this traverses party lines and we're seeing some someone pretty right wing conservative kind of person. Right. And, and it's even if it's not Coke directly, his affiliates, does it say something for you? Does, does this. So one thing I've been told actually by my attorney who I love, Luke Bagley, he's listening. Um, he basically told me he was like, look, like if you sell money, you could do whatever you want. Right. People want to make money inherently. Like most of America, like most people, yeah. right? So the if you're really argument. conservative and you see the money that's coming in from cannabis for these states, you, it would be completely irresponsible not to pass it, right? Like even if you don't care about social justice, like your state's still gonna make a shit ton of money. You know, I, I mean, it's so confusing to me why people would not 
be on board of this, right? Like there's aspects about it that are appeal to every single politician if they did their homework. So yeah. it's kind of hard to me, it's hard for me to listen to like a lot of uneducated or like uninformed opinions about this from politicians just because it's so important for the country right now, especially after all the money we've lost during COVID. So it's, are, it's really hard for me to understand why people wouldn't want this. Are you running for office? Because I think that <laughs> chat will vote for you. <laughs> I think um, you're making some fans, I'm just saying. Not running for office right now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I've been so trained by one of my favorite people in the world, uh, one of my investors who's been a phenomenal mentor for me, and he's so smart politically, Bradley Tusk. Uh, so I feel like I've learned a lot about politics and how to think about it properly and how to understand how bills pass uh, by working with him and kind of looking up to him, to be honest with you. Uh, so, yeah, so I do have strong political opinion. But will I run for office? I have a fund to run and money to make. So Touché. I love that. You know, let's wrap up on your thoughts on the vaping community. Uh, you know, uh, I understand that you have, you know, I would say some assets or uh, some portfolio uh, brands there. So, I mean, I'd love your thoughts on I, uh, vaping's here to stay, right? I mean, they went through, they've been through hell, excuse me, but they've been. Yes or no? Wait, I, I didn't understand that. Vaping is here, but did you say it? She's like, I, I, that, that was like I mean, a I weird. I have a strong opinion about this again. I mean, I can give Oh, please. I mean, listen, I... give it to me. Tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, every time I saw a headline that was like, vitamin E acetate or. Vapes are killing people. I'm like, this is the government's fault. If there was regulation about what went into a vaporizer, there would have been no vitamin acetate killing Americans, right? Like the government needs yeah. to regulate this. And that is another argument why federal legalization needs to happen because it will actually save lives, in my opinion. Amen. <laughs> I, I want to know before before we let you go. Like, can you tell us a little bit about what, about what you're investing in, and maybe some? And I, I don't know if you can, but maybe some public companies that you're looking at or you like, even though like not from Vice Ventures, just you, Catherine. Um, so I, it's very difficult for me to answer that because my husband's a public <laughs> equity trader, <laughs> so I try not to get involved in public equities for compliance reasons. Um, but what I can say is that I am bullish on Canopy because I think the management team is really great. I think a lot of these other Canadian companies have kind of had big flops. I'm not going to name names here, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So like, besides that, I, I think they're important to the ecosystem because I think they'll provide a lot of the exits in the U S right. For like really strong brands are doing really well. There are multiple States. I think those will be the exits, uh, kind of that we see in the portfolio, hopefully. Um, but what's also interesting, like getting off this like public cannabis Canada situation, um, is that I think as we see regulation changing and attitude changing and stigmas changing, I think that we'll see even like a constellation, right? Buy a CBD beverage or I don't know, like even like mm -hmm. Diageo coming up, like buying like some random ass thing that's not even a beverage, right? Like I right. just think like a lot of these bigger like vice houses. Um, which I'm trying to coin, so you guys should use going forward. Um, <laughs> Aaron, put it up there. Aaron, put it up there. Weishausen. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it sounds a little bit like a German word as well, like Weishausen. Weishausen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Also, I, yeah, okay, moving on. Staying focused. Um, yeah, so I think that we'll see a lot of exits that will surprise us. Like, I see Pepsi getting involved, right? Like, they launched a CBD business or a CBD drink that I don't know if you've noticed, but it looks very similar to recess. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm excited about all the future of cannabis. I'm excited to see all these uh, changes in attitudes, right? Right now, I have my 87 year old uncle being like, You're selling heroin. And uh, I'm just, I'm, uh, for anyone listening, I do not sell heroin. Yeah, I do not use heroin. But he, <laughs> he's like, he's just like, he doesn't get it. He's just like, it's terrible, terrible. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I guess Vice Ventures really is a generational thing. <laughs> the conditioning has worked on, on our elderlies. Uh, mine, <laughs> mine as well. Catherine, unfortunately, we are fully out of time. But man, what a pleasure it's been to have you. We will have you back soon. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I had a blast. Viceventures.com? Uh, yes, but if you want to just info at viceventures.com is where you're going to get some action. So, um, info awesome. at viceventures.com, right? Info at viceventures.com, yeah.
Beautiful. And really quickly before I hang up, if I can do one plug quickly. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Vice Ventures is hosting a 420, 420 smoke session where we're talking about the regulations where we are now. And we're talking about the laws, obstacles, social justice. And we'll also have people pitching uh, well, a few cannabis companies pitching. But they have to use their cannabis product while they're pitching us. And the whole team will be smoking. So it should be pretty fun. And if you want to go to that, info at Vice Ventures. Uh, wow. You'll you're be receiving an email from me shortly. Where, where you're smoking <laughs> reefer. That's yeah. That uh, calls it reefer. That's hilarious. Okay, Tommy we and go. I will both have emails to you very soon. Uh, thank you so much, Catherine. Much appreciate Thanks, you guys. being here. Awesome. Oh, Javi, what a great, great hour of cannabis discussions, man. Smoking reefer. <laughs> I, th I think two of the more enjoyable like conversations I can remember, uh, just because of their vast knowledge on the yeah. space. And I think the chat agrees. You guys are going crazy over Catherine. So um, thank you all for tuning in. And I just want to point out, I just want to point out, she agrees with my assessment on canopy management. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Everything she said about Canadian companies, we seem to have parallel thoughts on. Uh, I, I mean, that's more of like, I, I, I'm still, I'm bullish. <laughs> I'm bullish on what we talked about earlier with CGC. Anyways, y'all, that's not to say that's what she said. Uh, anyway, Catherine is awesome. Um, Josh is awesome. Javi, you're pretty cool too. Um, <laughs> this has been fun. Y'all, we'll see you tomorrow at 4.30. Javier, thanks as always, my friend. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.